Hello and welcome to the Wonder Baba podcast. My name is Sheena Mitchell. I'm a pharmacist and mum of three. I'm here to chat all about child and family health. I combine healthcare and practical advice to help you on your parenting journey. I really hope you enjoy the show. In this episode, I chat to Karen and Emma, aka the two mammies. They chat to me all about their fertility journey and what it's been like adjusting to life with Amelia, who's now three. We discuss the legal considerations, the practical issues, and a whole lot more. I really hope you find this episode useful. I certainly found it extremely interesting and I learned an awful lot that'll stay with me and benefited so much from talking to the girls. And I'll always be grateful for having the opportunity to have this chat. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Medicare FemSense, Ireland's newest and most innovative ovulation tracking solution. The Medicare FemSense Smart Temperature Patch is comfortable and discreet and is worn under your arm during your fertile window to measure and confirm ovulation. Women have reported a 93% success rate in detecting ovulation, with over 10,000 pregnancies already recorded. Coming soon in a pharmacy near you. Visit flemingmedical.ie forward slash femsense for more details. So I just want to give huge thanks to the two mammies, Karen and Emma, for joining me today on the Wonder Baba podcast, just to talk all about fertility and also just in general, rearing a child in a same-sex relationship and I was just actually just before I pressed record there I was explaining to the girls that in all of my research for a general fertility episode that's coming up I had pretty much the I suppose the content written through listening to webinars and kind of researching fertility info uh, for parents and it was only at the very end that I just went Oh, this is literally, this only applies to heterosexual couples. And I was kind of shocked that I had gotten the whole way through and it took me that long to realize. And I suppose it, it, it made me realize that's such a huge barrier for a same-sex couple in general, because all of the information is really directed towards hetero couples, like yeah. unless you go looking for it. Um, so I'm really, really grateful for you guys to come on to chat because I think the more chatting that we do will support, you know, other couples who are coming along and are considering starting a family and wondering from basic things like where do you even start to look for information? Because obviously there's, there's bigger challenges to same sex couples and hetero couples in getting pregnant in the first place or to becoming a parent. So really, I, I think, yeah, finding that information out, learning about the legalities, because since this all occurred to me and I have to say, I'm a woman married to a man. And even though I'm a pharmacist and have lots of friends who are in same sex relationships, I don't think I ever actually really, really thought about how difficult it was to yeah. start that. So I think, yeah, it, it would just be brilliant to talk a bit about that. But before we start talking about the legalities and 
when I started looking for the legalities, there's a lot that's going on at the moment, um, yeah. which is exciting. And I hope things are going in the right way. But time, I suppose the next few months even will help because the new committee, I can't remember what it's called, um, maybe assisted fertility, you know, are obviously doing their three month review, which started in January. So hopefully they'll see that the barriers are not there. But I suppose, first of all, I just wanted to ask you to a little bit about yourself. So uh, where you're from, how you grew up, what kind of people you are and (laughs) how you met, all of that. I'm so nosy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we're together 10 years. Yeah, Uh, we met 10 years ago, St. Patrick's weekend. Um, We met in person 10 years ago, St. Patrick's weekend. We met online as, you know, every modern relationship these days. Yep. Um, And I'm, so I'm Karen, by the way. Um, I'm from Dublin and Emma is from Drada. So our paths probably unlikely to cross other than through the internet. Um, And yeah, kind of, we got serious pretty quickly. And we'd, so we met in March, we'd moved in together by October. (laughs) Um, I dragged her up to the big schmuck. Was there anything based, Dublin or Drada? No, 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 not then. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, But we knew quite quite early on, like we wanted to start family, um, but like it was down the road. So we didn't ever consider it to quite far in. Well, Amelia's three now, so before that, obviously. Yeah, I insisted that we'd be married <laughs> before <laughs> we have enough. kids. Uh, not for any traditional reason or anything, but just for for legal for yeah legal reasons. Um, because I well, we decided that I would I would carry. So okay. it, that being the case, I'd be. I'm Amelia's birth mother and related to her by genetically and Karen wouldn't be. So I was like, we'd have yeah. that extra protection if we were married. Well, so yeah. we thought. This yeah, what we thought at the time. It was a lot more complicated, yeah. 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 Okay, and we will, I'm going to dig deep yeah. on that in a minute and yeah. your heads will be wrecked. And I, yeah. But <laughs> Okay, before we get to that, when did the proposal happen? And tell me about the wedding. <laughs> so the... Yes, quality was 2015, right? Yeah. May 2015, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I should know that. Yeah. Um, so th- that was May 2015, and everyone was expecting the ring to come out immediately. I waited till Christmas. <laughs> um, and then I proposed in Christmas on Stephen's, Stephen's Day. Day yeah. Um, and not want to, you know, take things slowly. We <laughs> had our wedding won by January. And we then won our wedding. <laughs> married in August. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So very lucky. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh... You'd waited long enough at that stage, to be fair. <laughs> I know, I know. Sure, even I remember just after I proposed, and Emma's dad said to me, and you never even asked my permission. <laughs> I asked the whole country's permission. Yeah. I don't need your permission. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> And that's that's a much better comeback than yeah. I've never heard before. I've got the strength of the nation behind me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I suppose speaking about your families, have they always been supportive 
how what's the journey been like between coming out and you know finding each other yeah so um I like at start so I would have come out probably when I was about 19 or 20 so that's a fair while ago now um and a big shock to the families and all the rest but like once the shock had passed that was grand they're all fairly accepting soon after me my sister also came out as a lesbian so you made it easier for her (laughs) and then like when they met Emma they just absolutely loved her I think she's like a a third daughter at this point um but yeah I didn't really have a tough time like in circle of friends or anything like that um Grant. <laughs> okay, and you, Emma, was it was it easy for you? Um, I I didn't come out till I was twenty five, so it took me that bit longer to be brave enough to come out, I guess. Um, and it was a big shock for my family; they didn't see it coming, I guess. <laughs> um, but they've been fine with it, absolutely fine. And Karen was my first girlfriend, actually the first one I brought home. <laughs> yeah, we ended up getting married, so yeah, they they love her too, and. I think they like her better than they like me, to be honest. So, <laughs> so yeah, they yeah, the families the families are great and they, yeah. they love each other and yeah, it's it's been well very gladly. You know, I think families in general in Ireland, people have. I think most people wouldn't have any issue and would see the marriage and their child just being happy. But I imagine coming out, you can't see that. Like you know, you oh. can't maybe maybe you don't have the confidence. And yeah. but I pr- think I assume nowadays, you know, it, it's probably better to give your friends and family the benefit, you know, of, of trusting that they will respond well. Because, and I know I'm sure it's not the same for everyone, but I, I'd say it's rare that it changes anything really. Because all you want, being a parent myself, like all you want is for them to be happy. Like what does happiness look like? It looks like having love in your life. And that's really, that's really all you want for them. Yeah. Okay. So you had the very speedy wedding, which is <laughs> understandable. Yeah. And had you at that stage, obviously you were saying you had already talked about having a family and becoming yeah. parents. So was it something that you had were fully aware of? Well, obviously you were saying there that you, you know, assumed being legally married would give extra mm-hmm. legal stance um, for you both as parents. So obviously you had to learn that that isn't necessarily the case. And how at that point did you go about doing your research and where is a good place for new same sex couples who want to start family to look and to seek that kind of information and support? Yeah. Um, well, we definitely came from an extremely naive place. Yeah, we we had a lot. We didn't have any of our peers no. that had children, any, sorry, any same sex um, friends or anyone that we knew that had children. Um, and if they did, they were generally actually conceived through a straight relationship and then had progressed on to the same sex and so we started just you know google the trusty place to get all of your information and again it was just so you're bombarded with information and none of it is coming from 
a reputable source as such. So we went through several different avenues. Um, initially, when we were just thinking about having kids, I had tried emailing several different fertility clinics. This was actually pre, like there was only, I think, Clane, Upmead, and then the Rotunda IVF. So in the Rotunda Hospital. Okay. I think they were the main clinics. The, the, the likes of the Beacon and stuff hadn't been established yet. Um, and then, so I looked at fertility clinics abroad as well. Um, so when I contacted the Rotunda IVF, mm. now I I don't know if this is still yeah, the case, um, but at the time they said they do not treat same-sex couples. And I don't know, is that just that they didn't have a partnership with um, like a sperm clinic, you know, that kind of thing, yeah. or a sperm bank. I had emailed clinics in Spain and Prague and Poland. Prague and Poland do not want and not a single thing to do to if you're a same-sex couple. Yeah, you didn't, you no, what it is like I didn't yeah. get a, a yeah. positive response from them. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Spain, I think, were relatively helpful. Um, but again, that was pre the likes of the Children, Family and Relationships Act 2015. Um, so there was no regulations whatsoever in regards to same-sex couples conceiving. And then again, we did get around to like actually properly setting the wheels in motion. We looked around for a bit more information. The, the places we did get information were Facebook groups. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fertility clinics, it was still relatively new to a lot of them. So they didn't have a lot of information that's not the case now. I know that in particular, Sims and fertility therapy out in Carrick Mines are really, really great for same sex. I can't speak for the other ones because we've never worked with them. But I know friends that have gone to the Beacon and to Reprimed, again, have been great. Okay. Um, so it's just with time they've advanced oh. with their, their market. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those just finding that information was really tough at the start. Um, it's definitely much more available now, um, particularly with the likes of Equality for Children and big names like Renee von Medding. She's such a wealth of information and really like the social media side of things. So I know for me, I would have my Instagram page, Two Mammies. I've had so many people contact me with, how do you get started? Um, what do I do? What's the right route? Now I can only stand, I can only speak for the route that we went mm. and I can point them to whoever else. So I know like the likes of um, um, reciprocal IVF is where you would donate eggs to your partner and your partner would um, carry the embryo to term. That's more regulated for and it's more catered for now up only until yeah, a couple of last, years ago. Yeah, yeah, only in the last year or so, yeah. Maybe two years ago, you couldn't yeah, do that in Ireland yeah. at all. Like nobody had like for it. So I suppose just to explain to people, so in 2015, that Children and Family Relationships Act came in. And no, no, no. It was written in 2015, okay. which is the basis that we said we would be safe to conceive a child that would be protected legally. Right. Um, that bill was not enacted until July 2020. Five years to be enacted. Yeah. And there were so many families left in the dark, limbo, yeah. not protected legally. You're not protected in the case of, so 
with Emma having given birth, she was the only parent with any legal rights, but also with any kind of um, medical say-so. So had there been anything like an accident where Amelia and Emma had gotten into and had Emma not been able to make a decision, I would not be the person. No, I would go to my, my mother, would yeah. be the next person. The next, yeah. And where does, and sorry, I want to start the sentence by saying guardianship is not parental rights. And no. there's no, and it's no substitute for so many reasons, other than the fact that you want to be a parent to your own child and have the same mm -hmm. legal rights. But even on a practical level, things like inheritance um, rights and also you're only deemed a legal guardian until that child is 18, at which point you're no longer legally, you know, related to that child. You're a stranger. And I just like, obviously, before that act which obviously I was unaware it took five years to come in. Before that act, was there a possibility to get guardianship? Yeah, so you had to live with the child for two years being their guardian before you could become their legal guardian. Okay. Marriage didn't really do no, anything. Nothing. No, nothing, no, no, no. So we had to go and apply for Amelia's birth certificate. And you pay for the privilege of they give you a birth search and I was the only name on it. And it was just heartbreaking going, paying their money for this thing that I didn't want, this piece of paper that meant nothing. And yeah. just be blank. I was just a single parent. Gee, like, I, I can't. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. And, and for both of you, because. Oh, horrific. Horrific. Yeah. Like, like what a punch in the stomach. Like, I can't yeah. imagine that feeling like you're bringing this child into the world together. Yeah, and. Absolutely. To have one person told that they're a legal stranger in effect yeah. and like it's it seems in a way obviously look Amelia would know that she has two mammies without any government <laughs> info or support it's it, it is it's offensive really is what it comes yeah. down to yeah. and difficult so uh, like this is I suppose like it's, it's just thinking about this uh, even I'm I get upset thinking about that and I just yeah I can't imagine how difficult that was on the pair ye. Before we move on, and this is a very personal question, in terms, obviously, so Emma, you know, your egg was used and you carried Amelia. In terms of sperm donor, how did that work? I know, and this is from very, I suppose, limited research, that there's different types of donors. Obviously, you can have a traceable donor who can, won't be identified to the parents at the time, but the child at the age of 18 has the right to get that information. And then in terms of known donors, so someone that you've probably sought yourself, it's different, you've partner known donors, um, but that only really relates to if the sperm donor is actually going to be the parent themselves. And then non-partner known donors where that donor is very clear that they're not going to be the parent so how how as a lesbian couple how do you go about going right we need sperm where do we find it like I can't imagine going hmm. it's it's hard like what what did you do so we initially we were going to go back when we started going through what we were like kind of deciding what we we're going to do um, it was still legal for you to import your own sperm directly from the cryobank in Denmark. 
and you could do a home insemination. Okay. Um, the we didn't go that route in the end because it was actually just logistics didn't work out for us. You needed to have it delivered during daytime hours, and neither of us were going to be here, and it was going to be delivered <laughs> in this. Practical. <laughs> I know it was like going to be delivered in a cryo tank, and you, you had to be there to receive it. And we're like, we can't get it delivered to our workplace, so we stay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. it's like if you've been doing a lot of online shopping you know all your random Amazon and next parcels coming to work I'm like no that's just the sperm that's just the yeah. sperm mind. that's mine <laughs> so that was the reason we ended up going with the the clinic really because we had known people that had done home insemination mm. or also had done known donors or like friends or whoever that were willing to either be a participant or not participant um as a sidebar, that is a route that is not uh, recognised yeah, under Irish yeah, law. If you have gone that route, the second parent will never get the legal recognition. So in order for your child to be um, have two same-sex partners named as their parents, they have to have been conceived in an Irish clinic with a known donor, as when known donor... I mean, the one that can be identified by the child once they turn 18, but must be unknown to the parents at time of conception. Oh, wow. OK, so, very you can, so you can go to, I'm sorry, a naive question. So where are the sperm banks in Ireland or are they affiliated? They're not, no, they're not in Ireland, None. no. Right. Not, no. So you have to, to both be recognised as legal parents. You have to use basically a traceable donor so you cannot use because I did um you know I I was chatting to a friend who two friends who obviously are two girls so in a same-sex relationship and they ended up using a brother's sperm with the other partner's egg yeah so I suppose what we're saying there is because they wanted to include you know a an emotional and biological bond between the two parents, that's then impossible for them to actually become two parents. That's no, I don't know where they covered those after uh, the CFRA 2015 was eventually enacted in July 2020. And um, there was basically they gave like a window where you could kind of appeal it. So everybody that had to get the birth re registered, so we were included in that even though we met all of the criteria set out in it, um, we had to go to court and get a judge to say, yes, you're allowed to be her parent. And even if you didn't meet the criteria, you could still go if your child was conceived before May 2020, I think, Thank you, yeah. something like that. Um, so there was a window where they wouldn't punish you for things that happened prior to that. So cause you used a traceable donor through an Irish clinic and gave birth in Ireland. Yeah. You are both legal parents of Amelia. Yeah, it's very specific. It's a very small amount of people in Ireland that yeah. meet that criteria. So there's still lots and lots of problems. Yeah, yeah. and I can't, you know... It's not good enough. It's, not good enough. It, it's a different conversation than the one we're having today, but the impact that has on surrogacy... Yeah, absolutely. ...hetero and same-sex couples... Yeah. Absolutely. And also for children that were conceived prior to this information being available, 
that subsequently the parents want to have siblings. Mm. Um, so there's friends of ours that had to conceive through a Spanish clinic um, because they need to get an embryo donor as opposed to a sperm donor. Okay. Embryo donation is currently not legal in Ireland, I think. If they want to have a sibling for that child, either the sibling cannot be genetically related to that other child or the sibling will never be legally linked to the second parent. God. So it's a decision that those parents like are really struggling with because how do you decide, do you know, because with an embryo donation, obviously still your child and still you've carried them, you've raised them, blah, 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 but they're not genetically linked to the parents. So they want to give a genetic link to the sibling. But if they do that, they won't have legal recognition to the second. That's just mind blowing. And for every couple, it's just like you said there, this very small catchment of people who are covered with legal rights to parent Mm -hmm. in, in Ireland. And so any couple, I suppose, who are starting their journey now, the information is going to be different for everyone. And so yeah. that just makes it less transparent and more difficult. I read an amazing paper over the last few days, and I think it would be a really, really useful place for new couples to start. So it's the Assisted Human Reproduction Coalition paper. Um, and obviously that's as a result of multiple LGBT groups coming together and you mentioned earlier equality for children and their website is just a wealth of information as well and I love looking at their social media because I'm like like as you said Renee and everyone involved like such positive positive people and I think that is probably a really good place for people to start maybe yeah But I think what I liked about that paper is that it actually just breaks down in layman's terms. You can find where you fit in in the legal framework in Ireland and you can find out the different types of fertility treatment there are, because obviously there's ICI, so intracervical examination, which in essence obviously doesn't need a medical practitioner to complete and then IUI, so intrauterine insemination, where the sperm is injected into the uterus. Um, that has to happen in fertility clinics in Ireland. And then IVF as well, which a lot of people will be aware of, where eggs are retrieved and then fertilized with the sperm, obviously outside um, of the body, and then the embryo is transferred back into the womb. And you touched off there, sorry, and I'm only listing these just, just to increase awareness to people to know the journey and the like the challenge that is in front of a same-sex couple trying to become a parent, trying to look at all of this and figure it out. But there you mentioned the reciprocal IVF where obviously, you know, one person's egg is fertilized outside the body with donor sperm and then the embryo is transferred into the other partner. And I can see why people, you know, you can kind of see the merits of all of those different things and I imagine like that, like with the situation, the emotional effect and impact is going to be very different because like, I don't know, is it a thing where you can feel very isolated from the process if you're not carrying the baby or 
I'm sure this like, like look, this is as personal as anything, because I'm sure some people are quite happy for their partner to be pregnant um, and carry the child. And obviously it doesn't affect your parental love in any way, shape or form. And see that with my own husband, like <laughs> he, he was quite glad not to have to do the baby carrying. Can I tell you? <laughs> but look, however, however your baby comes into this world, like parenting is not about that journey. Parenting is about the relationship you have with your child and the love. And I love that expression. Love is love. God, I'm saying the word love an awful lot, but I just don't think that there can be anything better for a child than to grow up secure and loved and confident. And, you know, the two parents that a child has as a result of same sex couple coming together and deciding to parent has to be the most wanted child ever because (laughs) they have invested so much of their life and so much determination and so much emotional strength to get through the journey to receive or to have their baby that not being funny like slam dunks on the hetero efforts (laughs) doesn't take much for, for a hetero couple so I just I think to want a child that much, I, I, it's, it's just, I, I don't know. I think that's the biggest sign of love. And for me, that is a very lucky child. And that's one that is going to grow up confident and secure. And I just, yeah, I think it really shouldn't be this hard, but I was looking as well, I suppose that information and it's kind of tricky for the two dads, like where's they're kind of left out of the loop a lot. I was reading about even the surrogacy, how the surrogate who obviously carries the baby, um, even if it's a donor egg and a donor sperm. So it's nothing actually to biologically to do with the donor. The donor is happy to just carry the child. But once the child is born legally, that child is the donors and their husbands if they have one. <laughs> He's got no relevance at all. I'm just saying like, yeah. how is that possible? It's bizarre. And I, I understand the Irish laws were formed prior to any of this even, you know, existing. Um, but just that the government are not very quick to act on the requirements, even with the CFRA in 2015. Um, the reason it was so delayed was because there was so many kind of question marks over. You couldn't cover for every eventuality. and. You never can. Like, I'm sure once the assisted human reproduction bill, whenever it does come in, given based on the previous timelines, I'm not anticipating it's going to be quick. (laughs) But like that will come in and everyone will be delighted. But I'm sure something else will happen further on where they've forgotten about some other combination where it's going to leave somebody else out. And listen, we say like you're not covered legally. There's and the likes of, you know, if, if someone was in an accident and, you know, a doctor could deny you like the guardianship title or whatever. Um, most people won't do that. Like if it was a case that I wasn't legally recognised as Amelia's parent and had Amelia, had Emma passed away, Amelia would have automatically gone to Emma's parents. But Emma's parents are never going to do that to me, <laughs> do you know? Our most doctors are not going to deny the right to your own child. It's just about the 
like the recognition more so than anything else like like you said like you, you fight really hard to have this child and then for the government just be like eh. and I suppose it's that kind of it's a security thing as well because yeah of course like while okay obviously you know you two have really good relationships with your family like every couple I imagine there's some that don't and just don't want that weight on their shoulders of thinking well what if you know and yeah I, I don't know it's just it's a complication that shouldn't exist and yeah. it's not fair to put that stress on any couple whether it forms a very small part of stress due to obviously they know that they're going to have their child at the end of the day but you know obviously it's a bigger stress if maybe relationships are bad and they, they just are worried about what's actually going to happen yeah. you'd like security and knowledge that going to be simple because especially in that situation like grief is enough to deal with you know you don't want to be worried about anything else I suppose and it's lovely to hear you say though that it isn't really as big a problem as people think because common sense prevails and everyone you know would know and obviously look you are Amelia's legal parent but everyone would know even if you weren't everyone would know that you're her parent and you'd be treated that way and I suppose that brings me on to a question of how do you find society now in understanding non-traditional family types based on, you know, having one man, one woman and children, like are society ready? Are they like, like they should have been ready years ago, but yeah, is it, is Ireland an easy place to have same sex family now? And you know, it's actually quite hard to answer mainly because of COVID. I <laughs> feel like we haven't really been exposed to it too much yet. So um, Emma stays at home with Amelia. So she, she's not in any kind of childcare. Um, she's not starting play school until September. And a lot of our friends are same-sex couples. And with that, so a lot of Amelia's friends have two mammies or, you know, it's just to her, it seems completely normal. And to any groups that she's ever in, it's completely normal. So I haven't come across kind of situations that people haven't been accepting of it. I have no doubt that at some point we will. I think there what will be useful, and this is coming from a really weird place because I was actually just doing a bit of thought and research for a chat I'm having next week about grief and helping children with grief. And one thing that came up was the importance of giving children the language for explaining their loss in school. So say if someone's dad died and their school friends are children, so they're very simple beings and they could be like the child going, oh, and you know, where's your mommy or where's your daddy or, you know, and, and a child needs to be able to answer and say no like so obviously sorry this is a totally different situation but I suppose what I'm trying to get back to is that the language having your child confident which obviously you know a happy loved child is going to know their situation is normal but they need to be I suppose have the language to go into school and not be bothered if they meet people who maybe don't have the same outlook you know because that and that it's it's a horrible thought and I I have hopes for Ireland and you know you kind of go 
shouldn't be a problem. But it's very different in urban versus rural areas as well. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm from Roscommon, right? Which <laughs> is widely known as the one county that voted. I figured it's better. It's better I bring it up than <laughs> right. And actually, I, in my experience, that's not reflective of the attitudes sure. in Roscommon, and I still am proud to be a Rossi, but. <laughs> I, I suppose what I'm saying is, you know, th- there's of course going to be times where Amelia is going to have to answer uh, naive or ignorant is the word, but not in the mean sense, in the actual true meaning yeah. of the word ignorant. Some children are going to grow up, you know, and just not have any same sex people in their life and are literally just going to be unaware. So I and that's actually that's an interesting thing, because I think. There's a lot of things, parents who are in no way like who are happy to support same sex couples, but just maybe don't have any friends that are same sex couples. Like there's things that they can do to prepare their children. And I'd love your advice more on this. I know for us, I always correct my children as soon as they say something very traditional. I was like, like even even if they say like, oh, and when I get married, my husband, I'm like, or wife. Or like I'm I'm really proactive on it. And but I assume there's really good books or kids books and stories that just have characters of all different types of families. So if you have any recommendations, I'm personally interested because I think it's. Um, So I'd say firstly, the the main thing is about normalizing it as a parent is just bringing it into their lives. Um, And just to touch back on what you're saying about kind of remarks coming from a place of ignorance most people are quite willing to accept their shortcomings so when we were at a prenatal class in the rotunda and there was a midwife giving it and she was of an older generation and she was given the class but everything she spoke about she framed with the husband the husband the father and it didn't particularly bother me and we actually had friends in the same prenatal class that were also a same-sex female couple. And then I was conscious that because it made me start thinking about it, I was like, there's women in here that might not have a partner, let alone a husband or wife. Mm. And you, you're you're putting this big responsibility on the husband. That you just need to be more mindful of the way you're addressing people. And people are definitely more receptive to it. I spoke to the midwife after the class in no way like I wasn't correcting her I wasn't aggressive I, like I just saying to her just to be aware that you you actually had two same sex couples in your class and just be more mindful of your language and she was so apologetic and she's she said that she's actually does try to be mindful of these kind of things and she's she was so ashamed of herself embarrassed and all the rest and then there are some that kind of come completely left field like we had a community midwife here in the days after Amelia's birth and they were obviously checking Amelia out and they were checking Emma out but she said which one is the mother and Emma said both of us and she goes yeah but which one's the real mother and it was just such like it was obviously she was just trying to be efficient and she was just you know that was just her instinct but it was such a terrible way to phrase it and you know especially in the days after birth like your whole life is turned upside down you don't need that kind of crap on top of it about language um friend highlighted to me recently that people were talking 
around her on tour. She was in a group of friends and someone said, oh, well, that person is gay, but that person's normal. You're like, oh, what? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. You know, and actually, like, this is it. it. It's, I think it tends to be down to people's exposure, maybe. Maybe, like, give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they just don't know the language to use. And maybe yeah. that's what I hope, that conversations like this and just in general, like, normal inclusivity it's really important. And I have even found that I've, you know, as a hetero woman evolved over the last few years, because I think the the chat is getting louder and I think people are learning a lot, but uh, like, it's hard for lesbian couples, gay couples, like any type of couple to have to face that battle. Like that must be exhausting. Ah. Alright. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't happen too often, thankfully. Yeah. Like, uh, it doesn't it's not a massive factor. Yeah. Um it, for might, us it might yet. be once you start yeah. school again. I mean, it's, it, we don't have too much trouble, but then we live in Dublin, so I mean it could yeah. be different other places. Yeah. Right, so I've been looking at photos of Amelia on your Instagram and I'm pretty certain she's not gonna have any problem. <laughs> <laughs> she looks completely yeah. Yeah, sassy and cool. Like she's cool. Like all of her outfits and her attitude. I'm so jealous. Like she's fabulous. And I think, like I said there, it's about surrounding yourself with the right yeah. people. And that's yeah. the same for any human. You know, people can be nasty about anything at all. And Saying that it's it's just gender is ridiculous. So I think it's really important to cut those people loose. And I I, I hope that the rest catch up. But until they do, I don't think they should have a place or a right to be involved in yours or Amelia's life. Do you know? Sorry, I skipped over your question about the resources mm. for um, yes. same-sex couples. So what I would say is, yes, we have a pile of books that mm-hmm. have same-sex parents. Um, we also have a few about a teddy that identifies as female that was male, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But they're all really specific books targeted towards LGBTQ plus families. And they're not going to enter the lives of anyone that doesn't specifically seek them out. And the same is true of any kind of media that your child comes across so in like cartoons and such the only kids program I've come across and I think there are but I haven't come across them in day to day um Ridley Jones on Netflix has a mummy that has two daddies and also has a nine non-binary bison yeah um (laughs) called Fred very good show. But nothing's made of it. That's just it's just the way that the yeah. way they are, yeah. and that's it. And you move on, and that's yeah. like that's it. Yeah, yeah because but that's the way it should, that's be. What it should be. Yeah, like the, it should just be a background thing yeah. because you don't read a book that says this is Anne. She has a mommy and a daddy. Yeah. They are great fun <laughs> because that shouldn't be the topic of the book. I think <laughs> Parents or like hetero couples shouldn't be congratulating themselves for having yeah. like non-biased like yeah. that. It's you know it's not about that. It's it's about as you said. It should be dated. It's literally acceptance. Looks like like 
what difference does it make to you? Like it's down to the same thing as even with the way I parent my children. I say that like I don't have a partner. Sorry, I'm <laughs> Like, you don't parent them at all <laughs> but you know I look at our dynamic and our family unit and actually as a couple we're really really equal and we probably don't conform to the the way old tradition of man and wife like we were forced into situations where we had no childcare. and we just worked opposites so you know he he was he was always around the children as much as yeah. I was and um, God, COVID did that to a lot of people as well, because obviously we were both, we're both pharmacists. So we were both working the whole way through. So we had to like do opposites. So on your day off, you were homeschooling and it's just, anyway, I'm not going to go into the PTSD I have, <laughs> but I suppose even when you look and you compare my family unit to even some of my siblings, family units, the way they parent, everything, you know, every, every family is so different. And mm. I think you find your crowd, you know, you find your tribe and it's down to the type of person. It's not going to be based on gender or anything. So I, I like that. It's about surrounding yourself and not comparing yourself in any part of parenting. I suppose that's really important. And I think that can take years to master so I'm sure there'll be challenges as Amelia grows up but once she like I think even if in school she gets the odd comment or anything like that I think having her equipped with the language to explain to the child that said it and I think I don't think a child should bash an eyelid you know no, um, I don't know. they're very accepting yeah. you know yeah. any child just accepts Scott, okay know. That's the way it is, yeah, 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 black and white, and then they move on. And what would your advice be to any same-sex couples starting out? And that's a very big question, mm-hmm. but it is. I say, like, talk to other families that have gone through it. Is the main one really? And um, they're the only ones that can really tell you. You can get so much information online. The likes of Therapy Fertility hold kind of question answer sessions very regularly. They do so they are really good. Yeah. Podcasts as well. And yeah. Um, but yeah, really just talking to other families. And yeah. overall, like what have you found? Well, I know what the best part is because the hardest and the best part, <laughs> the best part is Amelia. But what was the hardest part? And this doesn't need to be based on the fact that you're a same-sex couple I just mean of the whole journey of having a baby oh the, the trying to get pregnant part for sure yeah <laughs> yeah after that not a walk in the park but I mean it's <laughs> it's, it's far from it but I mean yeah I'm hearing you'd like to babysit with three children that's what I'm hearing <laughs> I mean you stay at home is it yes yeah. <laughs> what time will I drop them off <laughs> yeah. um for me I found Immediately yeah, after, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> after Amelia was born, finding my role, mm. I found incredibly difficult. Amelia and Emma had ooh, a traumatic birth and she spent, a, you were three days in labour in the hospital and then Amelia had um, high risk jaundice. So she was in the NICU 
they were there for like the good of a week, which was half of my then paternity leave. So half of my paternity leave was just spent going in and out of the hospital. Um, and then I was a week then after she was born at home and it's such a whirlwind. And then they were trying to adjust to their breastfeeding journey. And Amelia had had such a traumatic birth and the jaundice stuff that she like, you know, they say there's no such thing as a difficult baby or an easy baby. <laughs> she was a difficult baby. She was. She, was. she never stopped crying. <laughs> Five months she cried. Yeah. She never slept. And she, Emma couldn't leave her. Like Emma would be going for a shower and or, like even just going to the bathroom. Like, those like three minutes of alone time with Amelia were so intense that Emma would come back to find me and Amelia both crying on yeah. the bed. Yeah. I just want, I don't, she, she doesn't want me because I can't, I can't breastfeed her. Yeah, that didn't stop her trying to breastfeed from me. <laughs> well, you've got um, to be fair to her. I mean, yeah, I'm you, like one if midwife could, told me it might she... have happened. I was really, <laughs> like, I was on board. I was like, if I can do this, I'm doing it. <laughs> but yeah those first couple of weeks just trying to find your own god and I think like hetero couples can feel like that too except I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out in my head is it harder because you're a same-sex couple and you get to define your roles in a way much and actually as I said earlier, I don't think myself and Alan conform, you know, with a traditional role, but maybe there was there was options there of roles we could have gone down. Whereas yeah. I think you two probably had to figure out so much more. And yeah, and a lot of it was hormones, which is not great, but like um, just kind of an evolutionary kind of thing, even though. You haven't given I didn't physically birth give birth. a child. This is She's the same still a woman. Yeah. The parent that adopts a child goes through the same, the exact same, not to the same intensity, hormone surges that a woman that has just given birth. So like me saying that I really wanted to breastfeed, like I was getting the same like tingles in my nipples and stuff. When she cried, I'd have like a physical reaction to it, but couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, that's hard. Like, yeah, for that side of things, it was very hard. That's very difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's hard because you're trying to explain that because you're probably there saying to Emma, no, my boobs really hurt. And she's like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, they do. Can you please nurture my neediness here? Because it's the same as yours, you know? And it's, it's all of that. Like it's, yeah, it's just finding your ground. And look, I think yeah. definitely being a parent, I mean, you're a basket case after the first one, no matter what. Like, it's so, I remember having, I had to have C-sections and not because I particularly wanted them, but just the way things happened. And I was really shocked that I was going to have a C-section. So it was elective. And I remember (laughs) after the C-section, I came out of the recovery room and I couldn't, obviously, you can't feel your legs, you've got a catheter, all this kind of stuff. And then they hand you a baby and then Alan was there for a few hours and they're like, yeah, now mind the baby. And you're like, what? Is someone having an actual laugh here? I just had major abdominal surgery and I don't know what to do with the baby. Like I knew all the practical pharmacist advice, but 
cheapest out. Like I was very unequipped. I didn't have friends who had babies mm. and adjusting to motherhood, full stop. Never mind breastfeeding. So like you know yourself, like breastfeeding is not really that natural. Like, okay, it's natural, but not at the start. It's a learned skill and it does take time to establish. So I I think that whole phase is very difficult on every parent. I'm going to end more in a way that just makes me smile thinking about it. So the best bets. From the moment you both met, met Amelia, what, what have been some highlights and what does she bring to your life? And do you find, sorry, these are, now I'm started. Do you find that having a child and having that connection now as parents is just Okay, I'm thinking of my own life going like it's hard as parents to have a child. But when you look over the practical things, like does it really, do you find that you're further cemented? Does it bring more unity and I suppose established foreverness? Do you know, like you've created this human being and you're molding her into a person every day. What does that give to you? Like... I just, I love being a mommy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just my favourite thing about living is being, being Amelia's mommy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so as soon as someone asks me, just how is she? I'm like, sit down there now. I'm going to go through a hundred pictures which you tell your full life story. <laughs> um, she's gas and she's my best friend. She's just so, like, she's so funny. She's so funny. I couldn't <laughs> Do you know, and then I'm sure if I told anyone how funny she was, they'd be like, Sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even say like what would be the highs just every day. Like, yeah, I love it. And I know people can't see your faces right now because this is a podcast, but you're gonna make me cry with the just smoke delighted, happy smiles on you. Like, <laughs> it's just so hard to remember life before her. I know yeah. every parent says that, but it's true. I don't even wear we before. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, just every day is just. There are lots of fights. I mean, oh, of course, she's not oh, yeah, perfect. We, yeah, we, we kill each other, but I mean, <laughs> like Instagram says like, otherwise. I'm just saying. But even her fights are hilarious. Yeah. Like, it's so hard to not just be like, yeah, you're hilarious, <laughs> or like she'll make a point. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you you do have a point. <laughs> Maybe you won this argument. I don't know. <laughs> what, what do I know? <laughs> When you hear them repeating stuff back to you, yeah. like, darn it, I think I gave you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep. yep. Sponges. Yes. I think what you're saying is your journey, as hard as it was, and as much determination as it took, you'd never look back. Oh, no. no. <laughs> and so, like, people, people need to fight. For, oh, I was actually about to say a Cheryl Cole song. They need to fight for their love. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I might need to edit that bit out. No. <laughs> oh, people need to fight for the family that they believe in and they know they can offer a child a wonderful, secure home. Of course, with fights, because like are my children are like every day, they must say to me and I, will you stop bickering? You stop bickering. And then when they're arguing, they're like, well, we get it from you. <laughs> That's just how we talk. <laughs> but 
they're so funny. But yeah, it's it's been amazing to talk to you and so nice to hear your journey and so interesting. And I definitely have to say that before thinking about all this and before talking to you, like there was a big part of me that was ignorant and like not in a way that was intentional, but just don't think I ever give weight to the considerations that need to be undertaken when you're having a child as a same-sex couple. And but you don't. And there's no reason that you would, because even like when you mentioned their two dads or whatever, like I'm completely ignorant to everything. Yeah, yeah, to to their journey. Like again, I can only speak for if you are a same-sex couple that has gone through a fertility clinic with a known donor and that's probably experience yeah. four years started four years ago because yeah. I don't know what situation is now yeah because once you have your family which is a, like completely selfish we're in this point of life. view yeah you're like okay we're happy yeah <laughs> no and do you know what though it's probably like anything you're exhausted from your journey and you actually want to enjoy your time with Amelia yeah. and you deserve to do that and you deserve to switch off and just to have normal days where you're not fighting for your rights. And thankfully there are some amazing people out there advocating for same sex couples. And I would really urge any couple, whether same sex or any person, you know, whether gay or straight, they need to look at that assisted human reproduction coalition paper because do you know what? It just it just opens your eyes to, yeah. and I think like ignorance is okay, as you said very kindly there, forgivable in a way, but thing for humans to show true empathy. Yeah. Like, we need to talk more. We need to understand this more, and yeah. as you said, even for Amelia's sake, my children have come up with a mom and a, grown up with a mom and a dad. And we we've always made a conscious effort to make sure that they understand that that's not the only type of family there is. And yeah. that's that's probably it's, it's human effort is going to make life easier for everyone, hopefully. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for talking to me. As I said, it's been a complete pleasure. And. Yeah, I hope I get to catch up with you guys at some other stage to hear how Amelia is getting on at school. But I really don't think you're going to have any problem with her. <laughs> oh, fingers crossed, we'll see. <laughs> Thanks a million, Gina. Thank you so much. Yeah, talk to you.